Welcome to the Ministry Marks Podcast. I'm David Haynes, and I'm joined by Thomas Majors. And Thomas, you're not going to believe what I'm about to say. We have a listener-recommended topic. Hey, we have listeners. <laughs> That's right, man. So this listener-recommended topic comes from a church member where I serve from Trinity Baptist. Her name is Rebecca Happy. Let me tell you a little bit about Rebecca. She is she is super sweet. She and her husband are personal friends of ours. Rebecca is a mother of six. Her husband is a college professor. She is a work-at-home mom. So they are really near and dear to our church. And they listen to our podcast. They faithfully listen. And so she asked me this question a few weeks ago, which transitioned into you and I discussing it momentarily and then doing the preparation for this podcast. So her question is basically this. It is about convictions. She asked, how can a person lack convictions concerning what should be apparent? Basically, when the Bible says, don't do this, how do people get away with doing that? When the Bible says you should not do these things, why do people who claim the name of Christ not have convictions concerning that? So Thomas, uh, let's just get this podcast started with the difference between conviction and convictions. There's a lot tied up in that one little letter on the end of that word. The difference between conviction and convictions. Conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit does that through Scripture, and I would include the Old Testament law, the gospel. I would include the preaching of Scripture with that. And also, I would include other natural means as well. And what he is doing is he is highlighting mankind's sin and also our need of forgiveness. Now, I've kind of explained that, but but in my definition of conviction, I would say it like this. Conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit through Scripture, including the Old Testament law, the gospel, and the preaching of Scripture, and other natural means to highlight mankind's sin and need of forgiveness. Clearly, the work of the Holy Spirit, He does so through these different avenues and these different means. Convictions, in the sense that most of us use it, are more of a deeply held belief. And so as Christians, we hope that our convictions are based upon Scripture and would align with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So convictions should be connected and tied to the Scripture and be also a product of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life as well. Now, there are some passages that we can look at from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And really, when you look at the word conviction in the Bible, it's a verb that it's used. It's not really used as a noun. It's used as a verb in the Old Testament. It's the Hebrew word, yakah. And this word expresses the idea of conviction. Sometimes it's used of in the Old Testament where God is the subject, and other times man is the subject. For instance, in Job chapter 22, verse 4, it says, Is it because of your reverence that he reproves you, that he enters into judgment against you? So God reproves you. That's the word, yakah. So God convicts you. And so that's where we get this idea of conviction in the Old Testament. And that's God who does that. God is the subject of it. God is the one who, uh, is the one who is convicting. 
in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 26, says, Moreover, I will make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth, mouth, so that you will be mute and cannot be a man who rebukes them, for they are a rebellious house. Basically, in that passage, God says that he is going to keep Ezekiel from preaching to convict. He says, and of course, he's going to keep him from uh, arguing with, proving against, to correct. He's going to keep Ezekiel from being able to convict the house by making his mouth uh, his tongue stick to the top of his mouth. So in the Old Testament, it could be used either of God or of man. But even in the Ezekiel passage, he was going to be speaking something that God had spoken to him or something that God had already spoken in the past. In the New Testament, the Greek word is elenko. It means to convince, rebuke with a general sense of shame on the person who is convicted. So the idea is to rebuke, but it also brings this idea of, of guilt or shame that comes along with it. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 20, those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all, that is convict, convict in the presence of all, it's that he, uh, Greek word, elenko, and so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. So convict. So people will be fearful of sinning. Luke 3, 19, But when Herod the Tetrarch was reprimanded by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the wicked things which Herod had done, Herod also added this to them. He locked John up in prison. So John is the one who is convicting. And the word that was used in this passage in my translation was reprimanded, but it's still that Greek word, Elanco. These are two examples of people who were convicted. Jesus conversely in John chapter 8 verse 46 says, no man can rebuke me or no man can convict me. He says, which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? And so we get our, our idea of conviction from those Hebrew and the Greek words. And specifically, I would say, as I said, the difference between conviction and convictions, conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit through different means. And I believe you have some things you would want to say about that, some verses. I do, I do. So John 16, verses 7 through 11, uh, detail that the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin. Well, because I do not believe in Jesus, Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning righteousness because Jesus was going to the Father, and the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning judgment because Satan will be judged. Also in the New Testament, according to Hebrews 11.1, 1, that passage says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then lastly, Acts 2.37 describes conviction. As I read that passage earlier, it really talks about conviction. After hearing Peter's Pentecostal message, the hearers were cut to the heart. And I kind of think that's what, that's what conviction is. So Thomas, there are also differences between conviction 
and conscience. Now, let me sit out on this path a little bit, and then I want you to join me momentarily. As I was planning about the difference between conviction and conscience, I ran across a Roman Catholic writer. His name is John Henry Newman. He was uh, he lived from 1801 to 1890, and something he wrote was really good. He said that many cast away the things of God, like the Word of God, the teaching of Scripture. Many cast those things away in order to establish what he called the right of self-will. As I continue to read about what he said, he said that a conscience apart from the Holy Spirit may, may crown the individual Lord of all that is right. Well, I feel this is right. Therefore, it must be right. And we put ourselves in the throne place of the Holy Spirit of God and say that our conscience is superior to anything else. Now, you and I have a have a very close friend, Dr. Kenny Digby, and we often talk about things that Dr. Kenny Digby has said. And here is something that I recall him saying. Maybe you've heard him say it. Maybe you've not. But Dr. Digby once said, this. Well, once. He's probably said it a million and one times. But he once said this, you don't hold a conviction. A conviction holds you. So, so Thomas, back to that original question from Rebecca Happy about how can someone, uh, how can someone not be convicted about something as blatant as abortion? How could they not be convicted about that? Thomas, do some work with conviction and conscience. All right. So conscience, I would say if, if we need to define conscience to begin with, and, and I would say that conscience is a God-given device that leads people to adhere to his moral standards, to moral standards that may reflect the moral standards of the Bible. That's important for us to understand. One of the five ways of knowing that there is God, one of the arguments for the existence of God is the argument from morality. You can take cultures all over the world. There is, in some sense, a basic sense of morality. Now, it can be skewed. It definitely can be skewed. But, but many of them are going to have some sense of morality. And I would say that that is based upon the conscience the conscience that is a person has, this God-giving device that leads people to, uh, to, to some moral standards that would be similar to the moral standards of the Bible. A person, I believe, though, can train their conscience to allow things to happen or to do things in their life that is against those moral standards. A lot of different things can control or can train the conscience. I would say one of the things that can train the conscience is a person's culture, how they are living, what is the mores of their culture, what, what do they approve of and disapprove of. And because they have been reared in that culture, then they naturally pick up and their conscience will either affirm or deny those things that they are being trained into. For instance, you and I, my conscience, and, and I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit later. I, I, I don't need to get too far. Let's just stop right here and just say, between you and I, my conscience, and I'm positive your conscience would not allow you to strap a bomb onto your body 
and to walk into a public place and to blow yourself up and to take innocent bystanders with you. But there are people who are in this world who have allowed their conscience to be trained to believe that is not bad, but that is actually a good thing. And so their conscience is not, is not convicting them of that. They, are, uh, they have suppressed that God-given morality, that God-given device of morality, and they are actually allowing it. Well, let's just, let me just ask you this. Which is better? Conscience, Holy Spirit. Oh, the Holy Spirit is better. <laughs> There's no comparison, man. <laughs> A Christian should rely on which? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I think that conscience is mainly this device that non-believers should rely upon, but it, it is not perfect. It is, some, it is the natural means that I spoke about before. God can use other natural means. I believe he uses the conscience to convict people. But and once we have the Holy Spirit residing in us, then his work of convicting of righteousness and uh, judgment and all of those things, that takes over. And so that surplants. Yeah. The conscience. You know, something you're saying is reminding me of almost the difference between general revelation and specific revelation. Exactly. It's the same thing. We can have general revelation that points us to God, but then when we understand the specific revelation of Scripture, then, then that surpasses the general revelation. And because, because the Holy Spirit is the one, I've already said, and I think we both agree on this, conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the convicting in a person's life. He also did something else that's pretty important. Yeah, what else did he do? I think he inspired the people to yeah. write the Bible. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> <laughs> and because he inspired the people to write the Bible, we know that whatever is in the words of God, those 66 books from the Old Testament to the New Testament, then he is going to approve and he is his conviction of that is going to align with yeah. the Bible. So what you're saying is that the Holy Spirit will never convict you about something that is that does not honor God and points you in the direction of God. It is his conviction aligns with the word of the Lord. So you're right. Exactly. And I'll just put it like this as well. I don't have to necessarily rely upon this feeling of conviction from the Holy Spirit, because why? Because he's already told me what he approves of and what God approves of That's in right. the Scripture. So it may not be that he necessarily convicts someone and they have this feeling of shame over this particular topic. He's already spoken about it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we should adhere our lives to the Word of God through this process of yeah. sanctification, allowing the Word to wash over us. Yeah. All right, now, Thomas, I, I, I want to ask you something. Uh, you and I discussed this a few weeks ago, and I believe we're getting close to discussing this very same thing right now. One thing you said a few weeks ago, I wrote it down because it was so good, and I wanted us to, to revisit this idea during the podcast. You said that a lack of convictions 
may show spiritual immaturity. With what you're saying right now, I would say that a lack of convictions would also could also show scriptural ignorance. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I, you agree with that? I, I would agree because we want our lives. The whole process of sanctification that the Holy Spirit does in our life is to bring us to the point where we are more like God. We are becoming more holy. Yeah. It's a process, a day-by-day process. And so as, as we are convicted, we, we let go of some of those things. We let it fall to the wayside. We, we take it off like a garment. And so if we don't hold to biblical convictions, we are spiritually immature and we're fighting against the Holy Spirit, or we just have a lack of understanding of what the Bible says. Now, we've, we've talked about conviction and convictions, and, and I said that conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit, and I've also said that the Greek word conviction has this idea of shame or guilt that goes along with it. Yeah. Let me just ask you, in your in your years of ministry, have you ever have you ever been preaching or met with someone after the service and and it was clear that God was convicting them, the Holy Spirit was convicting them of something. What do you remember any of those? And can you tell us what what it was like? Absolutely. The the last time that I recall it happening was about four months ago. I had preached a message and there was someone who was visiting our church. This was about their third time to visit. And at the end of the invitation, I always say, hey, I'm turning things over to our associate pastor of, of youth and then our worship leader or worship leader, then associate pastor of youth. And and as I as they're doing their closing announcements, I'm walking down the aisle, uh, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies. You know, I'm walking down the aisle, going to the back door and then and then we have we have our ushers who are opening up the doors preparing for the benediction and the exit of the worshipers and so as i'm at the back door i turn around and i look and here's this here's this here's this lady she uh, she's just come only once or twice to our church and dude she is in tears man and she is in tears about things. And and it was honestly, man, it wasn't about anything I had preached of. And she just said, uh, hey, I'm so concerned about ABC. And I thought, well, you didn't get that from this message. And then she said, well, you just said. And I thought, no, I didn't. Anyway, but she was heavily burdened about spiritual things. And we discussed some things at the back door. And I said, hey, when would be a good time for me to stop by for you and, and your significant other? When can when can when can I myself and our associate pastor stop by this week? We want to talk some more in detail about this. And so we set up that appointment, but yes, it was visibly all over her. And it's the strangest thing. Sometimes even while preaching, like I, I know sometimes whenever buddy, buddy, this is hitting home with that person, that family, you can see it. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. There are times in my ministry where you can, whether it's during the invitation or it's after the service, somebody walks up, they have that solemn look yeah. on their face, this concerned look. Uh, maybe sometimes it is crying, but there is something that is happening. I mean, something inside is making its way on the outside, and, and there's this physical cut to the heart. <laughs> cut to the heart. That's exactly right. In your experience, your experience as a pastor, even now, how often does the Lord convict you 
Holy Spirit, what we're talking about, Holy Spirit conviction, where you feel this sense of shame and guilt. How often is that? Or, or, and, I, and I'm going to bait the question, okay? How often is that? Or does it happen while you're reading the word and it's just something that's like, oh, okay. Yes. So yeah. let, let me ask you, can you, can you speak on that? And let's develop this a little bit further. Okay. Let me, let me, let me tell a story. Uh, way back when, whenever I was saved, February the 6th, 1997, I was 16, almost 17 years old. Um, I had not done a lot of, of, of hardcore sin. However, I, there was some language that was in my life that, that was not God honoring. And I recall whenever I was saved, the Lord spoke to my heart about that language. And I remember I have, since I've been saved, I know the two cuss words that I have said since I've been saved. I remember when I said them. I remember what I said them about. I remember where I was, where I was standing on those two separate occasions over about the first six or seven weeks after my salvation. And whenever I said those things both times, it was like the Spirit of the Lord hit me with a baseball bat. Bam. Boom. That's it. It was just as, and it was, you know, quit it and quit it now. And I'm like, I apologize. And, uh, and, and, and so I remember what that was like. Now, Thomas, I've, I've been saved for a long time. You've been saved for a long time. Thomas, I've been a pastor for a long time. You've been a pastor for a long time. I would say you live probably, I hope, one of the most clean lives of anybody in your church. I hope that I'll live one of the most clean right. lives of anybody in my church. So I often think about this. I think conviction currently in my life is not so much of quit doing that. And the conviction is, why didn't you do that? It, it is not the sins of commission. It's the sins of omission. Like, man, you should have said, you should have stopped, you should have done, you should, whatever it is. And some, some of those are still, boom, immediate. Uh, just the other day, just the other day, there's a guy walking down the road, man, right there close to the church. And I pulled out and it was starting to snow. And I said, I don't want to stop and pick him up. And, uh, and I thought, yeah, better. As I pull up, roll the window down, I know it. I said, you need a ride? He said, I was going to ask you for a ride. I'm so glad you came back. And I thought, okay, Lord, I hear you. <laughs> and I took him home. And uh, But yeah, but so that's how it happens with me. But yes, it is through the reading of Scripture. Reading of Scripture is a lot like fine sandpaper, man. The rough edges have been knocked off of me and you both. But now it's the, it's the little stuff that the Lord continues to work on us. What are your thoughts? coming out of my old lifestyle, that there were a lot of times where I would just feel that overwhelming sense of conviction. And, and the Lord does convict me now, but it's not in the same way. It's, I, I can read a passage and the Lord's like, he, he just kind of pokes me like, there, that's, that's a tender he spot. He puts his finger on it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a tender spot right there. And so yeah. it's, as I've grown in my, my relationship with Christ, and as I've grown in my understanding of Scripture and my knowledge of Scripture, it, the process of conviction is just different than it was early on. And so, again, I, I think the, this idea of conviction is tied to spiritual maturity and the means by which the Holy Spirit 
is going to accomplish that in our lives. Yeah. Well, Thomas, we, we talked a lot about understanding the Holy, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I believe conviction may come through Bible study, prayer, times of discipleship and worship. And the one thing I would want to kind of kind of think of, and before I ask if you have any closing thoughts, is when the Holy Spirit convicts, it is urgent. It is urgent. Yes. If there is sin, we should stop it. If it is conviction of righteousness, then we should do it. And uh, and I believe it is urgent in its timing. Thomas, do you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, I would just kind of jump back to conviction, convictions. Mm -hmm. How can we develop convictions, these deeply held beliefs that align with conviction? Learn the Bible and study biblical passage to develop those principles. That's what I would say. And I think that's really good. So Rebecca Haffey, you gave us this uh, topic, this recommended topic. We appreciate it so much. I told you and your husband, Thomas, just the other day that I was going to give you a shout out. Thomas laughed and said, shout outs are nice. Royalties are better. So, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for tuning in to the Ministry Marks podcast. Join us again next time.